So glad that we could uh, come together again to study God's word, how to study God's word. And um, I'm sure that all of you have joined as you continue to come for these classes for the next uh, five weeks. Uh, today is the third week and five more weeks. I will tell you, your, if you put this into practice little by little, even little, little you put into practice, you will really enjoy to study and discover God's word. So let's now look to God in prayer that God will speak to us, teach us from his, you know, from his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this beautiful evening. We have gathered here to study together, to discover how we can study your word. Lord, you've written your word in very simple words because we are simple people. We are fallen people. Our wisdom is limited. Our understanding is limited, but your understanding is infinite. And you wanted to teach us your word. Father, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we may know you better through your precious word. Be with me, hide me behind the cross. As I teach, help me to discover and learn new things and bless us together to learn so that our lives will be transformed through your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so glad that we could uh, come back again. I just want to run through the last week's um, notes uh, or the teaching. Inductive Bible study. I said there are three parts in an inductive Bible study. Can one of you tell me what are the three parts in an inductive Bible study that you have uh, learned? Observation, interpretation, and application. Yes, observation, interpretation, and application. And in the process of observation first one is you should understand to start always with prayer you know prayer and uh, i said that in psalm 119 and verse 18 the psalmist prayed saying open my eyes that i may behold wondrous things from your law and if you read psalm 119 verse uh, 176 verses uh, most of them you know, talks about the glory and the majesty and the importance and the preciousness of God's word. And the psalmist who writes that, he says, Lord, open my eyes. You know, please understand, open your eyes. It's not talking about open the understanding. Open the eyes that I may behold wondrous things of your law. You know, to know the details of God's word. That was his prayer. And we have the assistance of the Holy Spirit to guide us, to teach us, you know, and the more we depend on God's Holy Spirit to teach, to reveal things to us, he teaches us. You know, most of the time we think that the Holy Spirit is there for some great men of God, women of God, great preachers, you know, healing service, wonders. Uh, I'm, I, I wanted to encourage every believer. He is for all of us. He wants to be with us, teach us. His word guide us into the truth of God's word. And uh, then the Bible tells us how the psalmist prayed, Lord, teach me your ways. Then we find God directly intervening, you know, speaking to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
And uh, also the next one is read and reread the passage. Second one is to read and reread the passage several times, you know, because uh, it contains uh, such beautiful thing, details. I showed you the picture and uh, some of you, I'm sure you still recollect the picture. Yes, anybody know who attended last week's uh, class? I showed you a picture and uh, how many of you still remember that picture? Remember. Don't remember? Yes, Pastor. Yes? Yes, Pastor. Yes, you all remember that picture because uh, that picture is still vivid in our minds because you went through it several times. Uh, today, I will not be showing that picture, but next week I'll be showing it again but to make a point. So as you go uh, through the passages several times, you will be able to pick up uh, important truths from God's word and it will help you to understand and then you have to see the uh, uh, today we will be seeing something new and uh, that is uh, uh, how to uh, see into God's word the rest of the observation and before I go I wanted to talk, uh, turn your attention to I will let me start my uh, screen please Sorry. Can you see the screen? Yes, Pastor. But I'm not How able to, to study see. the Bible. Okay, you can see the screen. Okay, thank yeah. you how to study the Bible. Now, the uh, next one that I wanted to share with you is uh, the scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Matthew 22, 37 to 39. And uh, this is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, I wanted to uh, use, ask you to use that power of observation. Can you go through this on the screen, which is on the screen several times, slowly, prayerfully, and uh, tell me what, what is the thing that you observe? What is the main point, you know, Jesus was trying to explain? What is the main thing that you see? God's love. God's, uh, to love God. With all. Everything you can call your. Your. Okay. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. With all you, you find that your is repeated several times. Good. Good observation. And then. It's all about these two commandments because all it's also. saying all the prophets hang on these. So the okay, whole and Bible is about hang on. That. Okay, and how does he how does he um, say this? He says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Um, on what basis he says it? From the passage. He is declaring. It's a very pardon me. Jesus is declaring. He's declaring. Okay. Okay. Because since I don't have time, 
I need to go into other things. I will go into the main point. See, look Master, here, uh, when Jesus uh, was mentioning about, Master, uh, you know, the uh, first and the greatest commandment, uh, that is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he goes on to give the second commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. And when we read this uh, two commandments, it is like, number one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then the second, love thy neighbor as yourself. That's how we read it, right? Many times, loving God, loving. But it is not first commandment and second commandment. If you look at it very carefully, it says, and the second is like it. Can you see? Loving God and loving our neighbor as yourself. Can you see the thing? Yes. Yes, Pastor. Loving God mm. and then loving. You can even put, you know, just to, to, to respond, you can just put uh, your hand or something so that I know or just, uh, uh, you know, put a thumbs up. I will know that you're, you're following. Loving God and then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And the second is here like it. Mm. It's on the same plane. Thank you, Stuti. That's why many times in the uh, epistle of John, 1st John, 2nd John, 3rd John, when you read especially the 1st John, it talks about love. How can you love? How can you say you love God when you cannot love your neighbor whom you have seen? How can you love God who has not seen when you cannot love your neighbor whom, whom, you, know, whom you have seen? So the second is like, so when you carefully take time you know every word in the bible what we generally do is we go to that first uh, jesus declared love the lord your god that's the first and the greatest commandment and then the second love your neighbor as yourself and the second but we miss out what we miss out is like it mm. you understand so every word in the bible every word that is written is very precious. It is conveying a very, very important meaning and wonderful. It's nothing deep in this. It's a simple uh, uh, letter, a simple uh, uh, sentence. It's there on the screen. The only difference that made is we go into the detail of looking into the word, the scripture, every scripture. So that is the power of observation. When you begin to observe the scriptures carefully, one by one, one, one line after the other, one word after the other, go through it again and again, you will be able to pick out lot and lots of important information and truth. And as you observe carefully, you will be able to interpret the scripture properly. Always look for simple, straightforward meaning of the language first. Okay, there's nothing complicated in the scriptures in the Bible. So just simple English, simple Tamil or your mother tongue, whichever, Kannada or Hindi, whatever, you know, in simple grammatical way, God's word is written. Just only thing that you need is the observing power. If you can tune it, nothing like that. And identify the type of literature, you know, what type of a literature it is. You know, is it prose? It is, um, is it, um, you know, a, a, a teaching? Uh, is it a doctrine? You know, you can identify that very quickly. As you go through it, you'll be able to find out. Or you can even Google and see. 
you know, to make it uh, easy for you, you can Google and see what type of literature and look for the intended meaning, single meaning of the text as and when it was written. You know, it was written at that time for those people and those people understood what it was written. Now we are sitting down here and trying to comprehend, understand what was taught at that time to those people then and that time there. So it's going to be challenging. But if you and I can, as I said, pray, depend on the Holy Spirit and uh, ask the ask this presence of God to help us, we will learn. The next one is um, identify the context. You know, very, very important because today we find so many uh, preachers and teachers, as I said, Today we have YouTube, we have a Facebook Live, and um, and um, people are just becoming Zoom. So many preachers have come up. That's good, very good. But the only sad thing is not many of them are preaching with by identifying the context in which the word was written. You will understand it now. Thorough evaluation and identification and understanding, thorough evaluation, identification, understanding of the context are the beginning for inductive Bible study. The word context means that which goes with the text. You know, the word context, that the word, the sentence, the phrase, you will read. Identify the context of the passage you are studying. See the scriptures above and below the text or verse you are studying. Though it's not, it is not single verses. Yes, there are single commandments once in a way single words, given single sentences, but it's generally a passage, you know, there's a message that is conveyed. So see the scriptures above and below the text or the verse you are studying. In Bible study, context are the words, phrases or sentences surrounding a particular word, phrase or sentence. This context gives meaning, okay, and uh, to the, uh, gives meaning and uh, to a particular word, phrase or sentence and helps you understand what the author is saying. Only when you go through a passage, you know, in, a, in, in its context, you will understand what he is saying. Let's take, for example, the word fan. When I say, how is the fan? Now, in your home, there will be different types of fan. There'll be an exhaust fan. How is, there'll be a ceiling fan a pedestal fan or a wall-mounted fan. I'm just saying four fans. And um, then I ask you, how is the fan working? The next question you will ask me is, which fan? Right. And if I say if that one is which is in the kitchen, then you will know, oh, he's talking about the exhaust fan because none of us will keep a fan in our kitchen. Most of us will not. And, uh, you know, we will say that which fan we'll ask which fan and then when they tell it's one that is in the kitchen then immediately your connection will be oh he's talking about my exhaust fan you understand because fan can mean so many things and even if you say a uh, fan you talk about a sportsman you know a fan of a sports personality a film star fan of a film star so the word fan can be used in different contexts in different, and it has got different meaning in different contexts. I hope you're able to understand. So when you're taking a word, 
you cannot take the word out of context and understand its meaning and fit the meaning into the passage. You have to see the context in which it is given. And if you can do that, you will be able to really understand the passage. And um, uh, see in, the, in what context the word, phrase, and sentence are used. In the two Bibles, we determine or identify the context in the same way by carefully observing the repetition in the text and seeing how it all relates. Today, I was reading a, a passage. It spoke about spear, spear. Second Corinthians, Paul writing, he's, all, he's talking about the spear, his influence and so many things. And uh, the word spear was used several times. And uh, I wanted to go into that and study, take some time and study what he means by it. So you find there are certain words that are repeated sometimes in a text. If you read, you know, the ministry that God has given, God has given us the ministry of reconciliation. You read it carefully. And uh, he has given us the method of re reconciliation. And also, and sorry, he has made us the messenger of reconciliation. And he has also given us the message of reconciliation. You read that passage carefully. You find there are words that are repeated again and again. So that means God is trying to convey an important truth to you and me. And that will help you to understand the message. Uh, one of the problems we have is because of the verses and the chapter division. Archbishop of Canterbury, Stephen Langton, divided the Bible into chapters in the year 1227. Uh, you know, the original uh, Hebrew Bible did not have chapters and did not have verses. Only in 1227, the Archbishop uh, of Canterbury Stephen Langton divided the Bible into chapters. Then approximately 324 years later, you know, the chapters were divided into verses by Robert Stephen, a French printer in 1551. So the chapter and the verse division are not divinely inspired. It was done by a human, two human beings so that it will be easy for us to refer read, study, and connect with. So when they did this, what happened is that you know, we, they, they did not do it in proper passages. You know, some scriptures are disconnected. And because it is disconnected, uh, we are not able to follow. But if you can carefully look into that and observe the passage, especially, you know, uh, old King James Version is all single isolated verses. And uh, I love that King James Version, but now I'm using my new King James Version uh, because it's in passages. Now, most of the uh, Bible that is printed now are all in passages. You know, it, it is in a, it, it's in a sentence. And uh, it's very interesting, very good uh, for us to easy to understand. And uh, now the inductive method is scientific approach to the study of scripture. It is not just, you know, uh, spiritual, but also scientific. It begins with what you see, like how you do in science. I told you about the chemistry uh, practicals, how you can observe the color changes and other things. Here, it begins with what you see. It follows with an interpretation of what you see. You observe, as you observe, you begin to interpret. And it was not only you interpret, but you also begin to apply that scripture. Remember this. Inductive Bible study is observation, interpretation, and application. And inductive Bible study is analytical. 
the student might examine the smallest details down to the punctuation. I will show you an example. Okay, how to smaller, smaller details down to the punctuation. You know, even the punctuation marks, full stop, comma, hyphen, semicolon, full colon, everything has got, it's not divinely inspired, but it has got, you know, importance for us to understand the passage. So you and I have to observe these smaller, smallest details because the structure of the literature becomes a paramount importance because these punctuation marks uh, form the structure of the passage. And when you see the structure of a passage in the Bible, it helps you to understand. And we must lean where paragraphs, sentences, and topics begin and end. We must uh, lean, you know, we must begin to look into that. We must see what it means and see how the paragraph starts and how the paragraph ends. If you read Psalm 67, we will see that one day. Psalm 67, it is very interesting. It starts with praise the Lord, it ends with praise the Lord. Like that, you have to observe why, what, how the paragraph starts or how the sentences or the topics begin and end. And inductive method is recreative. This implies a rediscovery of what the author is intended to say. Please understand, the author, when he wrote, he had a, he had a message in his mind writing to the people at that time. So when you begin to do your inductive Bible study, careful observation, you will be able to rediscover okay, or recreate the intended meaning the author was writing, realizing what the authors meant for the people to understand when hearing it for the first time. And you will realize, okay, this is what he meant to them at that time. And that will really help you. I wanted to go into uh, some passages. It's quite interesting. First Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 7. It says, wives in the same way. Okay. And then it says, husbands in the same way. Wives in the same way, husbands in the same way. If you have your Bible, you can turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 1 and verse 7. You need not have to read the full passage. And um, it's important to understand when he says, uh, in the same way, in the same way, what should be your question when they say in the same way? Which way? Can you speak a little louder or you can, wives in the same way, husbands in the same, seventh verse starts with husbands in the same way, or wives, um, therefore wives, therefore husbands. You know, these are all how the sentence starts. Different translation or different way of doing it. Wives in the same way or likewise. Wives, likewise. Husbands, likewise. What does it mean? Someone? We, we ask which way, Pastor, they are. I'm not able to hear. Uh, can you hear me, Pastor? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, uh, we need to find what way he is talking about. Yeah, in what way? Good. In what way? Which is that way? When he says in the same way, which way? If you read that passage, he says, wives, likewise be submissive to your own husbands, that even if you do not, uh, if, if some do not obey the truth or the word, they without a word may be won by conduct of their lives. 
And then coming back to verse seven, husbands likewise dwelled with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of God that a press may not be hindered. Wives in the same husband. So what you have to do is I told you the chapter and the verse division was done by uh, humans. Two men did it. Now you have to turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 2 and see the context. It takes some time. Okay, but you will be able to do it. It's all, it's an art, it's a practice. You as you do it, you will you will learn how to do it. Here you find that in chapter 2, he's talking about from verse 13 onwards about submission. Okay, submission. And he's saying verse 13. Uh, to 16, it talks about submission uh, to the king as supreme or to the authorities above us. And then 18 onward, it talks about servants, be submissive to your masters. Okay. And then he goes on uh, to verse uh, 21, for to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. And then he says, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but submitted himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you are healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you return to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. Your Peter is mentioning about teaching the people about submission. And then in between, he brings in example of Jesus. When did Jesus submit himself? Here the Bible says, when he was reviled, he did not revile again. And he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Judges righteously. You know, it's a very interesting passage. You know, I can take and uh, keep on, uh, you know, uh, teaching this with a lot of jokes and, you know, a lot of information, practical information about husband-wife relationship. It's a very interesting passage. And here he says, submit. How God, Jesus submitted to God. Even when Jesus submitted to God, God did not deliver him immediately. Instead, Jesus, as to the Bible says, Jesus suffered. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. He died on the cross. And by his stripes, we are healed. And because of his death, submission and death, what it says, now you have returned to the shepherd of your soul. We were all gone astray, but we are brought back. How? Because Jesus died. How did Jesus die? Because he submitted himself to God. And giving that example of submission, of Jesus to God, even in unjust situation, he's telling the wives, wives in the same way. How? In the way Jesus submitted to God, even when there was, it was the condition was unjust. And then he tells the wife, uh, husbands. In fact, when you look at it, husbands have got more uh, instructions given there. Uh, the passage there is bigger for the husbands. And he says, husbands, likewise, even when things are difficult with your wives, they say, submit to God the situation and love your wives. You know, it's a huge topic. I don't have time to go into it. And uh, you can go through that passage 
see when it says in the same way, you have to be like an investigative, like a, like a, a what to say, a investigative journalist, or you have to be like a forensic uh, um, uh, personality who goes into the detail. There is a murder scene. He goes into the detail of everything that has happened. They collect even small, small things. I remember reading a story how they detected a murder. You know, there was a murder, no clue was given, but there was one detective. He was such, he never gave up. He said, no, I'm going to, he went back again and again and again to that murder scene. And there was a fish tank. And there in the fish tank, he was able to pick up a blade. And in that blade was stuck one hair of somebody's hand, you know, from the uh, arm. It was stuck there. He took that. He goes into a detailed investigation to find what is, who is, what is the DNA. He found out it is not the DNA of the murdered person. It does not belong to the murdered person. He knew that there is a murderer. And he began to work at it from then on. And he was able to find the murderer and got him death sentence. My dear brother, my dear sister, God's word is so precious, much, much precious than what the story that I told you about that forensic uh, you know, person. But if you and I can go into the details of God's word carefully, what does it say? Why does it say so? You will be able to understand. Then we see the next verse, quite interesting. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. It's a passage that, you know, most of the pastors, evangelists, we use it. I've used it several times and um, in prayer, in preaching, in, in, uh, in counseling others. And uh, here, John writing, he says, I've told you this so that me, you will have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take of good courage. I have overcome the world. Tell me, what is that which Jesus says will give them peace from this verse? Good. Just give a guess. Anyone? It's a simple verse. Have you read this verse before? Yes. Yes, Pastor. Yes, good. Tell me, what do you see in this verse? When he says, what is that which he says, you will have peace in me? It's the work of the Holy Spirit. Work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. These, these things. For a what? Can you can you lo loudly please? I don't know why I'm not able to. Oh, I understand why I have my headphone. Covering <laughs> <laughs> my ears. Tell me. These things, Pastor. Yeah, these things. Which are these things? Back. Hmm? Okay. Now, look at that sentence, how it begins. I have told you these things. 
I am telling you these things will be something he will tell in the future. When he says, I have told you these things, that means there is something that he has told before 33. Verse 33. And you have to go through and see what it means. And you find that three things in that chapter, three things are mentioned. One is it talks about the name of Jesus. Then he talks about the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 32, he, he gives, Indeed, the heart is coming, yes, and has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. The disciples were troubled. Jesus was going to die. And he's telling them, no, I'm not alone. My Father is with me. I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take of good courage and here also I have overcome the world. Look at the way the word world is used here in this passage. Tribulation in the world. I'm sure there are 14 people on the screen or even 15, 15 screens are open. Even if you say, uh, you know, 15 or 16 of us are there listening to this uh, teaching. All 16 of us have got different, different struggles and challenges. Some are really mind-boggling, some are really painful, some are very mild. All of us have got different challenges. I'm not saying tribulation, but challenges. And Jesus is saying, but take courage. I have overcome the entire world. All the troubles. 16 of you has got 16 different troubles, but overcome the entire world that is in this it is here. I overcome all the tribulation that is in the world. So you find that the scripture has got so much richness. Is it interesting? Are you able to learn something? You have to really take time. Take time. Sit down. Hunger for hunger to learn from God's word. And as you Carefully read, you will learn. Next one is, I wanted to give you another very interesting scripture. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and the righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, why does he say, no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. You can see your Bibles, please. I'm going to give you a clue. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. Can I give you a clue? Pastor, it is mentioned just before that verse. Uh, it is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals in flint and forges a weapon fit for yes, its Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you. You know, we are, we are studying about the context. Okay. Now, here it says, Behold, I've created the blacksmith who makes the weapon. Okay. Who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work. And I have crafted, created the spoiler to destroy. 
So here you find God is saying, you know, I know the weapon and I also know the person who does the weapon. It is I who created that person. You know, in Tamil, if you know Tamil, I do not know how to say another language. In Tamil, when we were small, when we were fighting, we will say, sometimes you have heard that. No, it's something like that. I know you and I know your grandfather. It's something like that. God is telling through prophet Isaiah to his people, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. You know why? Because it is I who made the man who made the weapon. What a powerful God we have. And all this power is revealed to you and me in God's word. We are spiritual paupers. And that's why we are not, uh, we, are, we, we think that we cannot learn, but anybody can learn. That's why I want to give these notes. Only three people sent me, you know, email IDs for the notes. And I shared the email notes who asked for it. I wanted to share these notes because I want you all to uh, keep it with you, go through it, uh, study it, practice it. And I'll be so glad one day if you can teach better than this, prepare more notes and prepare to others and teach to others and equip others. So I wanted to share the notes with all of you. Please send your email ID if you want it. Let's go through the next one. Here, the next one in inductive Bible study observation is look for things that are easy to see. When you observe the text, begin by looking for things that are easy to see. Facts about people, places, events always capture our attention. Since there will be repetition of these kinds of facts, this makes them easy to see. You know, these uh, facts are repeated and it's easy for us to observe. If you keep your focus on the things that are easy to repeat it us, these will in turn show you the context of the book, chapter, passage, or verse you are studying. It is not just about the verse you are studying, you will understand, but you will able to see the passage. And then after some time, you will see even the chapter. And then you will learn to see the whole book. I'll be giving you um, an assignment today, only two chapters from the Old Testament. And uh, I want you to go through it and come back next week and we will discuss it. Okay, so what is how, the things that you're easy to see? It's only to see and let me know what you see. And uh, when you begin to look, you will get mo most of the answers. In that passage itself, I'll give you an example. Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. I'm sure that all of us know the scripture. When I be before becoming a believer in Christ, this was my favorite scripture. You know why? Because at the end of the service, we will say this in Tamil. And when they begin to say this, I will sigh and say, Wow, it's over. Wow, it's getting over. The service is getting over, the board service is getting over. That's how I used to feel. But this scripture has got a lot of richness. We have used this scripture as a parrot. And using the, the power of observation, I want you to see this scripture, both in NIV and in New King James Version. Read it carefully. 
from the from your bible or from the screen bless the lord uh, bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits again praise the lord my soul all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord oh my soul and forget not all his benefits now in the first verse he is saying is talking to his own soul he is saying soul my inner man bless the lord why he gives the reason the second verse but he says oh my soul and then he goes deeper say all my inmost being praises praises holy name he says soul and he said the whole being the my personality let it bless the lord and then he gives the reason and forget not all his benefits forget not all his benefits what are the benefits what are the benefits this psalmist is mentioning he mentions in the subsequent verses but me he mentions it in the subsequent verses first yeah very good very good thank you thank you rosh see he mentioned those benefits in the subsequent verses now you look at this benefits here and what is that It's full column column is there and here you find an hyphen that means it's connected i told you the punctuation marks are important in the bible you can learn a lot by observing those punctuation marks and when he puts that there is a meaning after this there is something which is connected to these verse 2 and what are the things he mentions he says who forget who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases the benefit the benefit benefit that you have received i have received a believer receives is the forgiveness of all our sins all our iniquities he heals all our diseases all that is connected with our sins the bible says god heals who redeemed your life from destruction many times god has redeemed our life from destruction who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles and then in 6 the lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed these are the benefits the psalmist is saying is available for god's people and he says bless the lord o my soul all my inmost being from henceforth whenever we use these scriptures in our services at the end of the services let it not be a uh, sentences like parrot but with meaning lord i want my inmost being to praise you because you have forgiven my sins healed my sicknesses and done so many wonderful things for me my family i want to bless you i want to glorify you i want to thank you lord
the next verse in psalm 56 you find something very interesting here he says if you read psalm 56 you'll understand when i'm afraid i put my trust in you in god whose word i praise in god i trust and i'm not afraid what mort- what can mere mortals do to me and um, if i ask you the question why is the psalmist afraid what will be your answer because of the attack that he is facing pastor slanderous pursue me all day long many attacks yeah yeah me. yeah very good thank you thank you thank you sunita you find that in verse 1 and 2 he gives that reason he says there are people who are attacking me all the time they are out to destroy me be merciful to me o god for man would swallow me up fighting all day long you oppress me my enemies would hound me all day for there are sorry for there are many who fight against me who most high here you find that he is saying lord because of this i'm afraid and then he says i put my trust in you and then he uses something else in verse 4 in god whose word i praise in god i trust he says the word of god is giving me that faith and i'm trusting you lord because i'm trusting you i'm not going to be afraid please see one side is saying when i'm afraid i will put all my trust in you but because i put my trust in you i'm not going to be afraid i'm not going to be afraid and what is the connection what brought the difference he says i'm afraid but i trust you and then he says i trust you because i trust you i'm not going to be afraid the difference that came is the word i praise you find the cycle when i'm afraid i'm going to trust you because i trust you i'm not going to be afraid and read that uh, uh, psalm wonderful psalm i've used the psalm many times many times many times i've given the psalm to many people who have gone through surgeries and you know other types of fearful situations even when i have done some mistake i said lord i'm afraid because i've said this i have done this but i put my trust in your love in your forgiveness in your mercy in your kindness help me there are times when when, when i will not be able to sleep because of some kind of anxiety and fear of facing tomorrow or the future of some decision that i have to make or something that i have to do when it overwhelms me i said lord i say lord i trust you lord i trust you i want you to help me i trust in your love i trust in your power i trust in your goodness and as i keep saying that i would go into a deep and wonderful sleep my dear brother my dear sister scripture is there for you and me to learn to know god and next one i wanted to go through is a lovely passage from matthew 4:23 to 25 here he says jesus went throughout galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching 
the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all over ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea and the region across the Jordan followed him. And um, I told you, we have to see for things that are easy to see. That is what the point we are seeing now. Look for things that are easy to see. Places are very important in the Bible. You will appreciate the richness of the scripture when you begin to see this places in a map. Go through this map. People, Jesus is somewhere. And the Bibles, if you read that scripture, you find that people were coming from Galilee, following him, Decapolis, Judea, and also Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Okay, Jerusalem. So you find that from all these places, people began to follow. There is also a scripture which says from Syria. Okay. From Syria too, people began to follow Jesus. They received so much of blessing. And even from Syria, people began to follow. You know, what is, where is Syria? Is another country altogether. See Israel. So you find Jerusalem, Judea, Decapolis, beyond Jordan, all this year in Israel. But this fame went even to Syria. And people from Syria started to come to Israel because there is a prophet who is healing them free. They travel all the way from there to come. Imagine when I began to meditate on this scripture, I began to really appreciate without phone, SMS, mess, WhatsApp, internet, television, camera, the word spread so fast and people began to come from all over to be with Jesus, to learn and to be touched and to be healed by him. My dear brother, my dear sister, when you are going into studying God's word, he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He wants to convey to us his heart, his love, his message. And not only that, he wants us to look into his word and connect with him and appreciate him and glorify him. This is what looking at a map can help us. Even the journey of Israel of from Egypt, from Egypt to the promised land. When you're reading the Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, keep a map open in your laptop or in your mobile or in your computer and try to follow the place. How interesting it is. How, how God led them. What are the things that happened where? These will help you 
to get the information from the Bible, which will help you to interpret properly. Interpret properly. Now, I wanted to, you to go into the next um, slide. Here you find, deal with the text objectively. I'll be repeating this later because we don't have much time, so much to be told about this. Deal with the text objectively. That means let the text speak for itself. We should not impose meaning to a text. Do not try to get what you want, but allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you what God wants. There are times people go into the scripture to get what they want. We are humans. We want God to give us what he wants. Let God speak to us what he wants to speak. We are his slave. We are here to take his commands. And we go there and say, Lord, you minister to me, speak to me. God loves to personally talk to his children and wants to supply all the inner spiritual needs of his children. The first and the foremost, please understand, is the spiritual needs, the inner spiritual needs which God wants to give it to us. Meet it. Build us. And he will primarily have a message for you and also sometimes for others. It's something we, you and I can learn. It's a message for us first and foremost. Sometimes through us, there may be a message for others. Most of the time, most of the time, it is for us personally. Interpreting parables, doctrines of, out of parables. There are people who read the scriptures, read the parables, and they try to get meaning what they want. Whatever meaning they want, they read it. They have their own subjective way of interpreting parables. Parables are true to life story, short story that is designed to teach a truth or to answer a certain question. In Jesus' teaching, there was an additional purpose. He wanted to obscure the truth from the unresponsive, at the same time making it plain to the responsive. There are two types of people, people who wanted to respond to what Jesus was saying, the others who are trying to find fault with him. They didn't want to respond. So Jesus spoke to them in parables. So the people who were responding to him, they were able to understand the parables. But the others did not understand. Now, parable of the Good Samaritan. The main thing is, it's not the story of a person who took care of somebody who was wounded on the street. How we should take care of somebody? No. The main reason of that parable, if you read it carefully, the question that was asked was, who is my neighbor? And then Jesus tells the parable. So when you begin to read this part of scripture, parables, or any part of scripture, see why. what is the message that's been conveyed to us. Let's not be subjective. Let's be objective. Go openly. Say, Lord, you speak. You're God. I'm a small child. I want you to teach me. There are some people who speak, seek God's will through scriptures. Good. Let God speak. But there are people who open the scriptures, keep a finger and say what God is speaking. I remember when I was small, I used to see a man sitting and, you know, with a parrot doing that work. Many of us try to use Bible like a parrot. 
we have you and i have to read in a very systematic orderly way be objective lord you speak what you want there are people who look for answers what they want from the scripture to do what god what they feel in their heart to do there was a man i'll tell the story and then i will close and then we will go again into this uh, next time uh, there was a man who was young and was a very good preacher and his parents were waiting to get him married so they told him we want you we want to get you married and uh, he used to go and take a bible study somewhere and uh, there was a pretty girl who was coming there for the bible study so he wanted to marry that girl so he said to his parents i will see that girl and let you know who the girl is and you get me married the parents said okay fine go ahead and do it so this boy he told the lord lord today i'm going to find your will now this girl used to be the first one to read the scriptures whenever he quotes during in his message she'll be the first one to open the bible and read the scripture so he told the lord lord i want you i want to marry the girl today who first opens the bible and reads the scripture he was absolutely sure she she is going to read it so he was all dressed up he went for the bible study meeting and he was teaching and he quoted some quoted a scripture simple scripture psalm 23:1 he knew that she would just open it and read it and she did she opened the bible you understand she went to math uh, psalm 23 but she gave the bible to a grandma and a grandma read the scripture and now whom this boy should marry now he told the lord yeah deal with the lord lord the girl, the person who reads the scripture first she is going to be my wife i'm going to marry that girl but that particular day that girl had toothache so she she didn't read but she gave it to her grandma to read i'm sure some of you are laughing behind the scenes there many times we try to use scriptures like that like this boy lord i want this i want that this is we 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 decide to get an okay from god after we decide something let us go to the scripture objective lord you speak i don't want to be subjective even taking meaning out of scripture we will go into that next week but before i close in prayer i wanted to give you this assignment if you can write down please go through the book of hegai or hagai whatever you call it hegai chapter 1 and 2 there are only two chapters go through the chapter carefully and note down i'm not asking you to prepare a sermon just note down these information in that passage first one is see the date you know the the date the dates there are all hebrew dates you know jewish calendar dates it's fine but if it says fifth month first day of the fifth month that means it's first may for us so you can put it as first may no problem so you put the dates okay and the script and the verses that is that the dates are mentioned and tell me what is the condition of the people then you can find that i give you a clue can find that in chapter 1 the third one 
is why they were in such a condition. Why they were in such a condition. And the fourth one is God says, from this day, I will bless you in that scripture. Why does he say so? Why does he say so? Four things. The date. What was the condition of the people then? Why they were in such a condition? And finally, there is a promise given. From this day, I will bless you. Why was this promise given to them? Can you, do you know that? Or did you note down these four questions? Did you note down these four questions? Yes, Pastor. Yes, yes. yes Pastor. Um, yes, Pastor. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's very simple. I don't want you to prepare a sermon and all. It's just one line or two line answers. I think one line or you know, just a little bit of uh, study. But only thing is I want you to go through it carefully. And if you can even find the date, it's fine. If you can find the date of writing, it'll be good. Okay. The date of writing that passage of that uh, chapter, you can find that in a study Bible or in a uh, Google and see, and you can write it. Okay, before I close, uh, uh, Sister Preeti Mala, um, if you can send that uh, email ID to my uh, mail ID, please. PremkumarGeorge123 at gmail. Sure, Pastor. Okay, please. PremkumarGeorge123 yeah. at gmail. Okay, sure. Sure, okay, Pastor. Please, sorry. I will be able to do that. Now, you find... Yeah, got uh, it. Thank you. Uh, you find these uh, questions. Questions are there. You find the answers. Write down and keep it with you in your notebook. And it will help you. You will find it so interesting. You know, the through chapters, how much of message it's conveying to you and to me. Okay. Thank you. Any questions, please? You have any questions? No questions. Okay, let me close in prayer. Father, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for helping us to come together to learn how to study your word. Father, your word is written in simple words for us to learn, for us to be transformed. Father, all that we need is a hunger, a thirst, a desire, a delight, and a passion. I pray that you would instill that in all of us more and more through the power of your Holy Spirit. We will learn to study your word and we will be a blessing in this world. Our lives will be transformed and we will be able to teach others for your glory. Into your hands we commit ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.